Okay, I feel like I have said this podcast intro so many times now, but I realize that you guys might not be listening to all of these episodes in order. So with that in mind, hello and welcome to the Way Up North podcast. My name is Erin Bishop and I am the event planner for Way Up North and also the host for this season's podcast series. Uh, I'll just be chatting with a few of the presenters to get a bit of an idea about who they are and you know what we might learn from them in Stockholm. And today we just had a few short minutes to catch up with Ross Harvey and hear a bit about what he is going to bring to the table in Sweden. Welcome and thank you. Um, so I'll just I'll just start firing away for you. So who who is Ross Harvey? What do we need to know about you? That's a very deep question, um, very concisely. You can take it I'm in a... any direction. <laughs> Basically, I'm a creative geek. I grew up loving technology, um, doing a master's in advanced computer science and then studying graphic design and web design and taught myself photography while I was a graphic designer and just fell in love with it. Started off as doing fashion and then ended up moving to weddings. I didn't mean to, but it just kind of happened. But all through my life, I've been interested in self-improvement, psychology, physics, science, and all sorts of things. So I've been looking at the mechanics behind the mind and the science and the psychology behind creativity and performance. And so that's a big part of my workshops and what I teach and how I work. And how did you fall into weddings? I feel like that's a bit of a recurring theme for people. No one, no one meant to end up there, but people are happy that they did. So how did that happen for you? It started by just shooting social events for some friends, mainly people at work. And then a work friend said, one of my friends is getting married. Would you be interested? And then that's how it all started, basically. I think I charged 200 pounds for my first wedding. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> Just rolling in it. <laughs> yeah. I did that for the first five or six, actually. It was so cheap. And so how do you think it is that you, you have stayed, stayed with weddings over the years? Like, what do you, what do you love about it or, or what do you get out of it? 100% it's the freedom of creative expression. With a wedding, you have all, not all the time, but you have all of the time to experiment and have fun yourself because you're the one who decides where and how you shoot. If you do something like fashion or commercial, you're restricted to certain things. But with a wedding, you can completely express yourself. And I don't think it's any more, anything more satisfying than that. Yeah, it's like technically you don't have a boss in that case, not like you would on a fashion shoot. Exactly, yeah. It's like the, tr the truly self-employed photographer. <laughs> yes, which can be dangerous as well because I'm quite prone to procrastination. <laughs> so I have, to be very, I have to be very disciplined during the busy summer months. For sure. Do you do your own editing as well? Yes, yes. I'm, I'm not against people who outsource things, but I'm, it's, it doesn't fit with my own ethos because I came from a graphic design background. And so when I shoot, I shoot for a specific result. I'll know if it's going to be a black and white. I know if I'm going to crop it or something. I know what I'm going to do with the colors before I even get it into Lightroom, let alone Photoshop. So um, editing is a crucial part for me because it can transform an image. For sure. Especially if you shoot knowing what you want the end result to be. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. What about when you're not shooting? What goes on for Ross Harvey? What else do you do? I do love street photography. So... A couple of times a year, I'll travel around the world with some friends just shooting the street. I find that exceedingly challenging because you can't fix anything, <clears throat> excuse me, and you have to find something 
multi-layered juxtaposition, creative, great light. You have to find that in the moment with a completely random stage. And so I think practicing street photography has been wonderful for my photojournalistic skill with weddings. Um, but I'm also a bit of a hermit when I'm not shooting socially. I just love to read and I also love to make music. Oh, you love to make music too. Okay, I was going to ask you earlier, you said something that made me think of this book um, by Daniel Levitin about your brain on music. Have you read that? No, I haven't. Oh, I'm going to definitely send you a link because I feel like it's going to be right up your alley. Um, it sounds it. Thank you. When you say making music, what, what do you mean exactly? Do you play an instrument? Do you do like electronic stuff? What goes on? I own a beautiful acoustic guitar, but I can't play it whatsoever. <laughs> I remember I was going to learn to use it or so I was going to learn to play it two years ago, but then the, the wedding season hit and it just kind of put me off. Um, but the last couple of off seasons, i.e. over the winter, I've been teaching myself music theory and electronic music design. Nice. So I don't have to learn an instrument per se, just the theory behind, you know, harmonies and chords and whatnot. For sure. Self-taught. I like that. And when, when you traveled um, to do street photography or just for fun, is there anywhere in the world that stood out to you as extremely creatively fulfilling or just your favorite place you've gone? Mm, that's tricky, actually. It's definitely when we've gone outside of Europe because um, there's, there's 12 of us. Um, oh, wow. So okay. we go, usually, sometimes we go 12, sometimes it's 8 and 10, usually in the middle. Mm -hmm. And we've been all over Europe, but the, my favorite has probably been Cuba. And Myanmar was the second favorite. Nice. Oh, actually, India, I think, was my favorite. <laughs> yes, India. Which was this year. And what, what made it your favorite? Everything, really. The people, the place. Um, I love the sort of the spiritual side of India as well. Mm -hmm. um, and it was just a massive adventure. I, I think, to be fair, Myanmar, Cuba and India are very close. All three of them were amazing experiences. Um, I could happily pick any of all three of them. And how do you guys decide where you're going to go when you do these trips? Intuition, really. Someone will say something and then we'll either latch onto it or we won't. We don't really sit down and decide in a structured man in manner. We just op opportunities often present themselves and we'll just go with it or not. Awesome. And you do that like once a year? ish. Once a year if we're traveling out of the EU, because there's four of us who do that. And then once a year in the group called the 8th Street, which is when there's 12 of us. And we do that in Europe. Awesome. And these are all photographers, I'm assuming? All wedding photographers, all yeah. Wedding photographers. How did also... you come to be like a little crew? I've um, got a friend called Christian Levin, and he loved sort of street stuff. And then he got in touch with me and said, I've noticed you do a bit of that. Do you want to start something? And then we added some more people, and it kind of grew and grew and grew. And sort of made a name for itself in the wedding industry. A lot of other wedding photographers are doing the same thing now. They're going out and traveling and shooting the street because they see how much fun it can be. Yeah, that makes sense. And it does seem like a really good training ground for capturing candidates at a wedding um, because you have literally no control, like you said. And, and sometimes those moments come and go so fast at a wedding. It teaches you patience, yeah, and to take <laughs> an opportunity. It's fantastic fun. I mean, I'd recommend it to anyone. Yeah, cool. Yeah, and I'm from Vancouver, and I know there's a little crew of photographers here who go rock climbing together. Mm. I was like, when I first heard that, I was like, what? You guys have like a little club? They're, they're like, yes, we do. It's so much fun. So who knew? That must be all amazing. you guys are all buds, and you're doing fun stuff. Like, yeah, it's a great social event, and that's, that's always a fantastic thing to do anyway, social stuff, especially if you can make some work out of it. Yeah, for sure. 
Um, and for you personally, do you have like a family? Are you just like a solo recluse? What goes on in your, in your own life? I have a partner, Holly, of 18 years. Wow. We're not actually married, funnily enough. And I get a lot of stick from that from bridesmaids at weddings say, most of the that? time, <laughs> as you can imagine. We're essentially married, though, you know, house and whatnot and mortgage mm -hmm. and two cats. And um, yeah. that's enough for us at the moment. We, we love children, but we're not drawn to them personally yet. Yeah, fair. There's more and more of us in this, in this world these days that are not sure if we want them or not. I also have two cats, so I'm right with you. Um, yeah, cats are the best. <laughs> and with Holly, does she work with you or does she do something totally different? She does photography, but she works differently. She does pets and commercial stuff locally. It wouldn't be a good idea if we worked together. <laughs> <laughs> you don't think so? We're both too sort of strong-willed of what we would want to achieve. And I'm um, mainly retentive with how I shoot weddings. So I hardly ever use second shooters, to be fair. 99% of my stuff is solo. Okay, interesting. Do you ever feel like extra pressure when you're by yourself? Or is it more like extra freedom? That's a good question. Um, probably a bit more freedom when I'm shooting with someone if the time is sensitive. And often destination weddings, um, if anyone shoots them, they'll know that they're nearly always late. And it can be <laughs> handy to have a second who's already at the venue before you so they can get some details before you arrive with the bride. Right. But that's happened to me and you can still make it work. So you get to a, level, you get to a point in your career where you don't really feel pressure because you understand you can only do what you can do. Mm-hmm. And so pressure is not really a factor for me nowadays, even with the, the really high-end weddings. Stress-free. To an extent, yeah. I mean, like I said, the, um, the big part of it is understanding what stress and fear is and um, knowing the, me the mechanism that can flip that and turn that energy into a positive one rather than a negative one. Mm. So I practice that day in and day out. That makes sense. That's nice. So what can we expect from you in your talk um, in Stockholm? Not to give it all away, but but just give us an idea. <laughs> uh, yeah, summary will be quite difficult, but I'll do my best for you. <laughs> it's there won't be anything about photography skills, settings, or compositional type things. It's completely about your the mind, but not just your mind, but the mind of the people who view your work, because people don't tend to realise that photographs and the way you order them and the way you compose and the way you select has an effect on the viewer psychologically. Often they're subconscious effects, but they, they tally up and they can be positive or negative. And most people have no idea if they're doing anything right or wrong. They just put work out there. Mm. And so that's a big part of it. But also how you can understand your own mind to free yourself from the usual limitations that people have that stop them achieving what they want to achieve. And the, the best thing is it works creatively and it works in business, but it also works in your personal life. So you, you can't really go wrong when you put these things into practice. Excellent. That sounds good. And honestly, we don't want to hear about settings and composition at way up north, really. It's much more interesting to get into, you know, psychology and, and other things that people think about or should think about more when they're, when they're starting businesses or developing businesses or themselves. Um, what would be, if someone asked you, and this is tough, I realize, but... Um, a little nugget of wisdom from Ross for someone who's listening to this podcast and maybe coming to way up north, maybe not, but they're just either starting a photography business or they're, they're in it and they're looking to, to develop it. 
any type of a, a little nugget of, of wisdom that they can take away from you? Ah. <laughs> your, your mind is the most powerful tool that you have. It doesn't matter what you shoot with camera-wise. It doesn't matter where you shoot in terms of whether it's a beautiful location or a very tough location. The thing that you need to master first before you can master anything is your own mind. And when people put priority on that, everything else falls into place so much easier. And so never neglect your mind because it's the thing that runs your life, basically. At the essential core of it, the decision-making process is so important but it's usually subconscious in people because as a culture, we're very reactive. We have habits that sort of kick in place in certain situations. But once you learn to pull those choices into the forefront of your conscious thought, you can then direct them in very specific ways to achieve very specific goals, which leads to very specific outcomes. And that's a very, very, very important part of creativity. That was perfect. I feel like you prepared that answer, even though you didn't know I was going to ask the question. <laughs> oh, goodness me. Sometimes it comes out more eloquently than others. So that must have been a lucky one. That was a good one. <laughs> that was a good one. Succinctly put, don't be a slave to your subconscious processes. Yeah, good summary. <laughs> awesome. Okay, well, I'll let you get back to your night. And thank you so much, Ross. And we're looking forward oh, very to welcome. seeing you in Stockholm. Yeah, see you soon. Thanks for your time. Okay, thank you. Bye-bye. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.